And I was inspired as Pastor Brenda was receiving the offering. She referred over there to Psalm 23 in the message translation that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. There is a table set for you and I. And thank God for the marriage supper of the Lamb, but that's not quite, we're not quite there yet. So we don't want to wait until the marriage supper of the Lamb to partake what He's put on the table in the here and now. I want you to notice that He prepared a table before you right now in the presence of your enemies. And so it's wise then for us to come to the table and eat. But oftentimes, Christians don't come to the table and eat because they have been deceived into thinking there's nothing on the table that's good enough for them to eat. And as a result, they suffer from a lack of knowledge. My people, he said in the book of Isaiah, how go into captivity because they have no knowledge. Now, if I'm going to go into Luby's, which is, uh, what is that called? A cafeteria down south in Tulsa. If I'm going to go into Luby's and uh, get my plate full, I want to know what's on the menu so I can put it on my table. And so as Brenda was speaking this morning, a six-course meal. A six-course meal. So I want to talk to you about a little bit about the great exchange today and six exchanges that God made with us through the Lord Jesus Christ enabling for six wonderful things to be on the table for us to partake of. Amen? Amen. So, and no, there's more, but we're going to start out with that. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, if you would. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Glory to God. And I know that you guys will work with me up there. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And let's look at verses 3 uh, through 5. Amen. How many of you are believing God with me this morning? Hallelujah. Don't just sit there. Praise God. Actively believe with me. Amen. Glory to God. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Notice with me in verse 3. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Yet we hid our faces from him, He is despised, and we esteemed him not. Now notice the next verse. I want you to read verse 4 with me. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I want you to notice, number one, he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. Jesus came into this world to pay for you and I to be free from the penalties of sin. If Jesus had not come and was made sin on that cross and paid the ultimate price for us in death, hell, and the grave, 
you and I would not be making it to heaven today. Now, I want you to notice the first great exchange is in 2 Corinthians 5.21. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him or in Christ Jesus. The first exchange, he was made sin with your sinfulness, that you might receive the free gift of righteousness, that you and I might be put into right standing with God. Oh, what a gift. Oh, what a blessing it is for you and I to walk in our righteousness. The book of Romans says that we have been justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word justified literally means you have been declared righteous. God declares you righteous and he leaves it up to you to come to the table and partake of that righteousness. If he declares that you're righteous, you ought to be declaring that you're righteous. Say it with me, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And folks, this comes as a result of having faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith in the blood makes you righteous in Him. Hallelujah. In righteousness, we must be established. This is a truth that must be established deep within our heart. As you are established in righteousness... Isaiah 53 or 54:14 I think it says in righteousness thou shalt be established and as a result thou shalt be far from oppression and thou shalt not fear Oh somebody say it I'm far from oppression and I do not fear In this great exchange, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and it enables you to live a faith-filled, fear-free life. It enables you to live a life free from depression, free from despondency, and be far, glory to God, from every trace of tear. And folks, that's good news. That means that you and I do not have to be intimidated by the circumstances of life. Why? Because we're so fully persuaded of the goodness of God and so fully persuaded that we are the righteousness of God in Him that we can face our life without fear and we can look at our future with eyes of hope. Hallelujah. (coughs) Can you say amen? amen? Oh, what a great God we serve. Oh, what a Savior. I have faith in His blood. So, this is something that needs to be declared regularly. Why? Because the devil is the condemner. He wants to hold people down and hold people back 
But I hear the Spirit of God saying, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who know who they are in Christ. Because you have a law, a law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes you free from the law of sin and death. Woo, hallelujah. And so he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That takes care of your your spirit man. When you come to Christ and you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, you become a new creation. You become a man or a woman that has been in Christed. And you can know beyond any shadow of doubt when the trumpet sounds or when your time comes that you're immediately going to be ushered into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I'm not living right. Well, get right and live right says, I don't know if I can or not. You can. You just need to will to. Get rid of the yeah buts and say yes and amen to the word of the Lord. You can live right. You can live holy. You can do it if you desire to. In 1 Peter 2.24, this comes up in my spirit. It says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin, now notice this, might live unto righteousness. Or in other words, might live righteously. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus needs to be separate from the spirit of this world. Those that are in right standing with God, we don't drink out of the same cistern that the world does. We love the world. We minister to the world. We have the answer for the world, but we do not fellowship with darkness. I don't know why I'm getting off on this today, but it's all right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it is, and I may be misquoting some things, but I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will walk in them. I will dwell in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And in the context of that, he says this, if you will come out from among them, I'm going to be a father unto you. Oh, lift up your hands. How many of you want to be fathered by the heavenly father? Glory to God. You can do it. You can love, live right. You can love right. Amen. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. So, Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now notice the next part of that, Isaiah 53, 4. Uh, the chastisement of our, what? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. See, this is something that is not preached regularly in most churches. We understand that he took our sin. But we also need to understand that he took our torment. 
We also need to understand that he took our fears. He also took the anxieties of the whole world upon him on Calvary's cross. Bosworth says he went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body to redeem mankind, spirit, soul, and body. So when it says the chastisement, the Amplified says the punishment needful to obtain our peace was upon him. In other words, he took the punishment of all torment. The Bible says that fear has torment. And so since that exchange took place, he became fearful that I might become faithful. He took upon himself panic so that I might have peace. Come on, somebody. He took upon himself those things that are keeping you awake at night. Those things that are causing you to toss and turn and turn and toss. He took it on Calvary's cross. The punishment needful to obtain your peace was upon him. So what do you and I, what do you say? You and I say, I'm walking in the peace of God. I'm living in the peace of God. Raise your hands right now. And say this, Prince of Peace. Thank you so much. For taking all panic. Taking all fear. And taking all torment. And I receive right now the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I receive your peace. Soul, be at peace. Body, be at rest. Jesus. You bore all stress. So I declare today, I'm full of peace and I'm not stressed. Come on, let's praise Him. Glory to God. Ha, 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 devil. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, we understand that. Ha, ha, ha. We understand, devil. You're the one you're shaking in your boots. You're scared to death. You know your time is short. And that's why you've come out with great vengeance and trying to deceive even the saints of God. Bringing your worst case scenarios into the souls and their minds. But you're a defeated foe. And we have found you out. And so, samatia. And so we come to the table now and we partake of that six-course meal. Pass the peace, please. Pass the peace. And you can pass the peace to others. You know, I get this picture of, you know, folks passing the peace pipe. You know? Well, we're not passing that kind of pipe. But because... We're full of peace. We can pass it on. When you carry this peace that passes all understanding, it will not only affect you, but it will affect your family. 
It will. Your job too. That's right, Linnell. Everyone say, my job too. That's a good word right there. It'll affect your family. It'll affect your job. You know, I like Brother Hagin, you know. I, I can still see him. Sometimes I see him in my dreams. See Aretha in my dreams sometimes. And uh, I can just see Brother Hagin walking around twiddling his thumbs. And uh, he had a little golf cart down there at Rama. And uh, he took Brenda and I in that golf cart one time to, to look around the property and everything. And he said one time he had a minister friend come and see him and visit him and say, Oh, oh, Brother Hagen, oh, look at this facility. How in the world do you do this? I, I mean, this must just be huge, you know, a financial deal. Oh, I, Brother Hagen, I don't know. Brother Hagen just said, Well, I've turned it all over to him. I've rolled it all over to him. In other words, I don't have a care. And some of the things he would say, if he's big enough, praise God, to call me to do it, he's big enough to meet every need. Amen. Amen. And that's the kind of attitude we need to have. Our God's more than enough. He's bigger than anything we'll ever face. (laughs) Glory to God. Just this last week, I'm sitting in the office... And Ingrid may be aware of the fact that we got a bill from the county for $132,000 that we don't owe. And, uh, you know, as a 501c nonprofit corporation, which we are, uh, we have never paid property tax on this property. This is five acres here. Not, not, not a penny. Now, there's an accessor's fee that you need to pay, about $1,700 a year. But this bill was 132000 Well, I had an opportunity to get stressed. But you know what? I am too blessed to be stressed. Because the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And I'm certain that it's an error because we already have the paperwork from them proven it is written <laughs> that we are exempt from property tax. So who knows, because of the pandemic, there may not be anybody in the office. You know, and Ingrid sent emails and reached out, and finally we just sent them a letter, sent them the $1,700 for the accessor bill, and we felt like saying, can you read? (laughs) But in life, in life, there are things that confront us. The devil is very confrontational. We need to be more confrontational. The devil is very bold. We need to be more bold. Not arrogant toward one another, but I'm talking about bold toward the principalities and the powers that confront us with their lies and all of that junk. We need to rise up and be bold. The righteous are bold as a lion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You think that might be aliens? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just keep getting it past the peace. Pass it on. 
How can you pass the peace to a co-worker? By carrying yourself in the peace of God. By not falling apart. Why are we not falling apart? Because he upholds his children. He upholds his sons and his daughters by the word of his power. And so the second thing and the second exchange, and it's on the table, it's part of that six-course meal. It's the peace of God. Number three, Isaiah 53 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now notice this. Did you wear your shouting clothes? I know you've got your shouting mask on. (laughs) And, And... with his stripes when we get to heaven we'll be healed now wait a minute don't don't give people hope that they can be healed here and now that's what the bible says it says with his stripes he didn't say we might be healed he said we are healed Stop striving for something. Stop pushing and pulling every lever trying to be healed. You are the healed. By His stripes. Come on. By His stripes. Are you listening out there in TV land? By His stripes. You are let those who have been redeemed from sickness and disease say so we are healed we are healed we are healed I am healed He has forgiven me of all my iniquities. He has healed me of each and every disease. And He has redeemed your life from destruction. It's the great exchange. He became sick with your sickness that you may be healthy and healed with the Son of Righteousness who has arisen with healing his wings for you. Amen. Amen. Don't let the devil talk you out of that. Keep talking your health. The tongue of the wise in the book of Proverbs says is health. Literally, what it says there, the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's twofold. We can bring healing to others just like we can pass the peace. We can bring healing to others by laying hands on them. We can bring healing to others by speaking the word over them. And incidentally, faith for healing knows no distance in the realm of the Spirit. 
We can declare health and healing over our live stream audience here and now. And the power of God will go into their bodies and work a healing and a cure in their bodies. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. The tongue of the wise brings healing. We can bring it to others. But also, we can receive it for ourselves and continuously feed on the healing bread of God's Word, and it brings healing into our souls. It brings healing into our bodies. Say it with me, every organ, every tissue of my body functions in the perfection to which God created it to function. And I forbid any malfunction in my body in the name of Jesus. Put your hand over your lungs and say, Lungs, you're strong. Lungs, you are healed. Say this, any disease or germ or virus that touches my body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us who knew no curse, that we might receive the blessing of health and healing. Say it with me, healing is part of that six-course meal. I just want to prophesy over you, himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. Many years ago, I got a, not a real good report medically. And uh, I called a good friend of mine, told him about it. And he said something that we say around here and something that I'm sure he got from somebody else. But basically, he said, well, what he took, you need not take. And what he bore, you need not bear. And by the grace of God, I'm fine. To God be the glory. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Woo, hallelujah. So we've seen three, three things on the table, right? Righteousness, peace, and healing. Amen. Well, what's number four? I'll tell you when I get it. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, this is a good one. You'll enjoy it. But don't get religious about it now. Forget about maybe what you've been told about prosperity and just let the Word of God speak for itself. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8 and verse 9, if they could pull that up there, that would be great. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. It says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we're talking about comes by grace through faith, right? We access what's on the table, which are grace gifts through our faith. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, I mean, yeah, in heaven, you can't get any richer. That though he was rich, now notice this, yet for your sake, here's the great exchange, yet for your sake, he, he did what? 
he became poor. Think about that. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and went to the cross and gave his life for you and I. Compared to his riches in heaven, he became very poor. But he did not become poor without a reason. Notice with me. Yet for my sake, he became what? Poor. That I through his poverty, rich is not a dirty word. The great exchange. He became poor that I might become rich. Hallelujah. When we approach the cross and we accept the terms of the great exchange, we become rich in love. I'm rich in love. This is my other message. I'm filled with all the fullness of God's love. I'm rich. You're rich in love. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. But through this great exchange, we not only become rich in love, we become rich in hope. Oh, thank God for hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound and bubble over with the God kind of hope. I'm rich in hope. I'm seeing beyond the pandemic. I'm seeing things from his perspective. I'm seeing the rain fall. I'm seeing the body of Christ standing up tall. I'm seeing an awakening in the USA. I'm seeing a great deluge. I'm seeing nations one in a day. (coughs) That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing it. I'm believing it. I'm prophesying it. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm rich in hope. Rich in hope. Rich in hope. And that quick drama McGraw says, and don't you forget it. Rich in favor. You're rich in favor. You're rich in peace. And not only that, but we are rich in abundant provision for our every material need. I said we are rich in our abundant provision for every material need. He said in his word, I will supply half of your need. I'll supply most of your need anyway. He said, I'll supply all your need according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But we not only serve a God who meets our needs, we serve a Lord, a shepherd, that gives us our wants, our desires. Say with me, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So it's on the table. Let's partake of it.
What have we found out thus far? What's number one? What's number two? What's number three? What's number four? Here's number five. Let's go back to Isaiah 53, and I'll try not to preach too long today. But I want to preach long enough. I want to preach what's just right. How many of you are believing with me? You know, many of us watched the football game last night where they put the cheese heads to sleep for the winter. I always liked to see Green Bay lose because I was a Vikings fan. And Minnesota people just do not like the Green Bay Packers. But my point is, that game was three, three and a half hours long, right? Some movies you go to, they can be two, three hours, right? So when it comes to church, let's not get religious. See, it's really a matter of priority. Now, preachers that go too long and just go on and on and on and on and on, I mean, you just wish they would just kind of get a clue, right? Well, I have a clue, and I'm not finished yet, and God's not finished yet either. What's the next one? Well, go back to Isaiah 53, verse 3. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, the third verse, it says, He is despised and rejected. He was rejected of men. He became the stone which the builders, what? Rejected. And so, the next exchange is this. Our rejection he took and brought us his acceptance. Say with me, my rejection... For his acceptance. So at Calvary, Jesus took our rejection and alienation from God and he took it upon himself. And in exchange, he offers us the complete and absolute acceptance by the Father God. Oh, that's good news. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Let's look over there. Ephesians 1, 6. It says, To the praise of His glory, of His grace, wherein He hath made us, what? Accepted in the beloved. Have any of you ever been rejected in life? And... Many times these rejections happen before you were born again or before you were fully developed. Sometimes it happened in childhood. Sometimes it happened in teenage years. Rejection comes from the pit of hell. Bullying, for example, comes from hell. It's nonsensical people doing idiotic things toward people that don't deserve it. Rejection stinks. Rejection's bad. It's not something that anyone can say, boy, I'm glad I experienced that rejection. 
It just did me so much good. It just built my self-worth up a hundredfold. And yet, now, as we grow and as we get older, that rejection becomes a spiritual force that's arrayed against us. And this is why people get into people-pleasing, shahaya, <laughs> those shoes you bought me years ago are slick but I like them praise the Lord amen better stay up here <laughs> Lord lift me up where I belong but that rejection then becomes a spiritual force I was saying that can be arrayed against us and this is why it's so easy to fall into the trap of living our lives trying to please everyone. Because of the fear of man. Well, if I say this, if I, if I do this, if I, you know, all these things, it's just living on eggshells, tight roping through life because of a spirit of rejection. You are not the rejected. You are the accepted. And no matter what has happened to you in the past, is not anywhere near greater than what happened to you when you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You became a new creation. You became the righteousness of God in Christ. You became the accepted in the beloved. Look out world, here I come. I'm bold because Jesus loves me and he's for me and he's on my side. And so no longer shall I be snared by the fear of man. But I shall be occupied by my Father's love for me. If God loves me and God accepts me, we'd like everybody to love us. We'd like everybody to accept us. But the world doesn't work that way. But we're not of this world. I said we're not of this world. We are from another place, another kingdom. Come on, somebody, where there's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Woo-hoo, glory. This will help some of you today. Become more occupied with who you are in Christ than you are what other people say you are. Be more occupied with what God has labeled you rather than what man has called you in the past. I've called you to call yourself what I call you. So get busy and declare thou who you are in me. And you shall rise higher and higher. And your life shall be better and better, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And lastly. Hallelujah. He bore your sorrow. He bore my sorrow. I can remember years ago when my youngest son, James, was having a very, very severe bout with depression. Some of you know the story. 
more intimately than others do. But I reached out to Keith Moore. This was way, way back. This was many, many years ago. And I reached out to Brother Moore. And incidentally, James has been working for Brother Moore for over 10 years now. Praise God. He was just able to purchase his first home. Isn't that awesome? And so currently, he's the new James. (laughs) Amen. He's doing good. Married and got a beautiful baby. Hallelujah. Granddaughter. But I reached out to Brother Moore. You know, I was troubled. You know, as a dad, you do not want to see your kids in pain. You do not want to see your, your kids tormented by wrong spirits and things like that. But I reached out to Brother Moore, and he, he prayed with me, of course. And he said, have you listened to my tape? Back then it was tapes. Some of you don't know what tapes are. Some of you hardly know what CDs are. Then on the other hand, some of you are still uh, doing, what do they call it? The reel to reel. (laughs) And that's all right. Whatever it takes to get the word of God in, you do it. But he said, I want to have you listen to this tape. Have him listen to it. And it's a tape called No More Down Days. No more down days. And that's a stake that we put in the ground years ago for James and for our own lives. Because the devil is a downer. Right? He is just a he is a major league bummer. And if you listen to him, he'll bring you down. So we just implemented that in our lives. In the name of Jesus, no more down days for us. No more down days. How can we be so down when he's lifted us up so high? He's raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here in Isaiah 53... It says, he bore our sorrows. What does that mean? He took depression. I said he took depression. He took discouragement. And in exchange, he gave us his joy. I'm going to say it again. In exchange, he gave us his joy. And the world didn't give us this joy. Come on, somebody. And the world can't take this joy away. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. So in the midst of darkness, I can sing. In the midst of darkness, I can rejoice. I can get up in the morning, whether I feel like it or not, and I can rejoice in the Lord a little bit in my living room. I can run down Hallelujah Hallway, and I can thank God that I'm alive, I'm breathing. The world didn't give me this joy. 
And sure enough, the world is not ever going to take it away from me. And when it comes to this church, as Pastor Tom comes, and that's your cue, the service is about to end. But before it does, let us rejoice in the Lord. Everyone stand up. Let us rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say unto you, rejoice. The great exchange put great things on the table for you. There's six of them. What are they? Number one, righteousness. Number two, number three, number four, number five, acceptance. Number six, how can we lose when there's so much victory on the table of the Lord. Amen. I rest my case. The great exchange is for us to partake in. What do you say we sing a little bit? Amen. What do you say we just shout a little bit? Give God praise. Give God the glory. Hallelujah.